I'm Jacob Kruger, and this is the Write Your Screenplay Podcast. On this podcast, rather than reviewing movies, two thumbs up, two thumbs down, loved it or hated it, we look at them in terms of what we can learn from them as screenwriters. We look at good movies, bad movies, movies that we loved, and movies that we hated. This podcast is offered absolutely free and with no outside advertising. So if you like what you hear, please help us reach our goal of 10,000 listeners by subscribing to us on iTunes and writing us a review. You can find a link to do so at writeyourscreenplay.com slash podcast. This week, we're going to be talking about The Big Sick by Emily V. Gordon and Kumail Nanjani. And I'm excited to talk about this movie, not just because it was a successful film, but also because it allows me to talk about a topic that I've wanted to discuss for some time, which is about how to adapt a story from your life. There's a wonderful scene in The Big Sick, one of the scenes that actually doesn't get talked a lot. Kumail, for those of you who haven't seen the film, is a Pakistani-American Uber driver who has fallen in love with a white American girl. And in one of the uh, really lovely scenes in their romance, he invites her to this absolutely terrible play that he has created about Pakistan. It's a one-man show, but it reads more like a detailed history of Pakistan. And the scene has a lot of wonderful little jokes for the audience. And the joke for the character is that Emily is showing up for her boyfriend's show, and it is the worst thing ever. And everybody knows it is the worst thing ever. And now she has to pretend that it's good. And if you are an artist and you have artist friends, you know what that experience is like. And you know that there is often a desire when that happens to protect the person whose work we've gone to see to tell them things are good that aren't good to protect their ego rather than their art. And Emily in the film does actually, I think, a much more loving thing, actually a much more brave thing. She doesn't trash the play, but instead she tells Kumail the truth. She says, I learned a lot about Pakistan, but I didn't learn a lot about you. And this actually sets up a really beautiful structure in the film, which is really a story about Kumail learning what it is to tell the truth. In fact, in a way, it's a story about all these characters learning what it is to tell the truth. Emily's father, Terry, played by Ray Romano, also has to learn how to tell the truth, how to not be a coward. Beth, played by Holly Hunter, what makes her so wonderful is that she always tells the truth, even if it means she's going to attack a racist heckler in the middle of a performance. So all these characters are eventually going to go on a journey about telling the truth. And the biggest journey about telling the truth is Kumail's journey, because Kumail is a person who is afraid to tell the truth. Kumail is a person who is trying to please everybody in his life. And because he needs so badly to please that he is not saying what's real. He's convinced his parents that he is going to marry a Pakistani woman, even though he's not taking any of his potential dates seriously. He's convinced Emily that they're in a relationship, even though he doesn't believe he's ever going to marry her because he's afraid of being disowned by his parents. And as an artist, he is not yet able to tell the truth. And ultimately, he's going to go on a journey by the end of the movie in relation to his one-man show in which he learns to tell the truth about himself and in that way earns his happy ending. He earns his happy ending by telling the truth. When we are adapting a true life story, our job, like Kumail's job, is to tell the truth. And oftentimes we have a lot of different urges 
pulling against us. What's interesting is that Kumail and Emily's story is based on a true story. It's based on their true story, the true story of how they fell in love, how she fell into a coma, and how during the time that she was in a coma, he realized that he wanted to marry her no matter what his parents thought. So this is a movie based on a really beautiful true story. And like most true stories, at first glance, we might think that it's not enough to be a movie, which is how a lot of us feel when we first write a true story. I remember the first class that I was ever hired to teach before I created the studio, the dean of the school, which will go unnamed, who is a very lovely man, during our orientation, sat me down and said, okay, look, Jake, uh, you do whatever you want. Uh, we don't really have a curriculum. The only thing is, uh, you know, don't let them tell true life stories because, you know, it's just going to suck. And I remember I sat down with him and I said, what makes you think it's going to suck? And he says, well, there won't be enough for a movie there. And a few weeks later, he came into my class and he saw the work that was happening and he said, how did you teach these people to do that? And I said, I didn't teach them to do that. I allowed them to do that. I allowed them to tell the truth. I allowed them to tell the stories of their lives. Because the truth is that every movie you write, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, whether it really happened in the real world, or whether it only happened in the world of your mind, every movie you write is an adaptation of a true story. It's an adaptation of your true story. There's a common piece of wisdom that you're supposed to write what you know. And I, I think this is actually a very confusing piece of wisdom, even though it is quite wise. The reason that it's a confusing piece of wisdom is that oftentimes we feel like writing what you know is very limiting. We're like, what if I, you know, didn't live a really interesting life? What if I grew up in the suburbs in a nice family? What if my story isn't valid enough? And what if I want to write a fantasy or a sci-fi or a horror movie? What if I want to write a movie that isn't based on real life things? How am I supposed to write what I know if I want to write in one of these genres or a Western? I've never lived in a Western. How am I supposed to tell that story? But the truth is every story is an adaptation of a true life story. It's an adaptation of your true life story. And this is what I mean by that. If we look at a movie like... Lord of the Rings, which was based on a book by J.R.R. Tolkien, which is actually stronger. The movies are very beautiful, but the book is actually stronger than the movies. I think we can all agree that J.R.R. Tolkien never saw a hobbit, never fought a dragon, never saw an orc, never confronted the Dark Lord Sauron or had to throw a ring into a magical burning river. I think we can all agree that the world of Middle-earth was not a world that he knew. But the world of Middle-earth and the war between good and evil in Middle-earth is not really what the Lord of the Rings is about. The Lord of the Rings is about a guy who's addicted to a ring. You lose this in the movie, but it's very clear in the book. Frodo, as he gets closer to destroying the ring wants to put the ring on his finger. There is an incredible draw to put the ring on his finger. He wants to put the ring on his finger even though he knows it draws the Dark Lord closer, even though he knows the ring makes him invisible. And ultimately, it takes an even bigger addict, Gollum, has to bite the ring off of his finger for him to let go of it. And then... 
it's really interesting when you read this series of three books and you get to the middle of the third book and they've destroyed the ring and you're like, what is going to happen in the rest of this book? Isn't it over? But it's not over because it's not a book about destroying the ring of power. It's a book about letting go of an addiction and then having to go home to the real world. And what ends up happening when Frodo goes home is he has to confront the fact that his neighbors suck, that people will hurt you, that mundane life is hard to take. In fact, Bilbo can't take it. Bilbo ends up leaving Middle-earth. Because the other thing that's happening is that all of the magical creatures are leaving Middle-earth. And this is woven into the movie, but it's kind of lost and confusing. We don't really understand why. But in the book, the magical creatures are leaving Middle-earth because the age of magic is ending. The age of man is beginning because the age of addiction is ending. The age of escape is ending. And the age of being a real human being with real human problems is beginning. So this gets lost a little bit in the movie because they change the ring. They change the ring because they have a technical problem. They have a problem that the ring makes you invisible and invisible is really hard to shoot without it looking cheesy. And so rather than turning Frodo and Casper the Friendly Ghost, they decide, all right, well, he can't want to put the ring on because if he wants to put the ring on, then we're going to have to shoot him invisible because there's no way to see him want to put the ring on if he doesn't do it, not in a movie. So what ends up happening, instead of having him want to put the ring on, they make the ring heavy. And Frodo is whining to Samwise. You probably remember this scene. It's so heavy. But you're not crying with them. You don't really feel it because that's not really what the movie is about. And by reversing it, they end up actually losing the theme, that theme of addiction that tied the script together. So I don't know that much about J.R.R. Tolkien's life. I know a little bit, but I would guess that either he had an addiction or that there was someone profound in his life who struggled with an addiction. And you could see that The Lord of the Rings is actually an adaptation of that experience. Not what actually happened literally, but what happened emotionally, what it felt like. Our job as screenwriters is actually quite simple. We use fiction in order to tell the truth. Sometimes using fiction in order to tell the truth means creating a metaphor like the ring, creating a fantasy world like Middle Earth that can represent the internal world, the internal experience, the way you felt it, taking the thing that happened on the inside and externalizing it to the outside. So sometimes telling the truth can look like that. Other times telling the truth means adapting a true life story somebody else's true life story. But even that adaptation is not an adaptation of their story because you can't do that because you will never know what it's like to be them. You can step into them as best you can, but at the end of the day, you cannot adapt their story. You can only adapt what their story meant to you. You can only adapt your experience of that story, the way that experience bumped up against your life experience. Every adaptation you do is a metaphor. And the third way that we use fiction to tell the truth is that sometimes we're telling a true story based on our lives. But if we simply tell the literal truth, we are not actually going to tell a true story. Because the truth is, in The Big Sick, Kumail is doing a pretty good job of telling the literal truth about Pakistan. 
during his terrible one-man show, he's doing a pretty good job of telling the truth about Pakistan. But he's telling the literal truth. He's not telling the emotional truth. He's not telling the truth of what it feels like. Similarly, in his comedy, if there are any comics in the audience, you know that this is true, that comedy is not about asking for laughs. Comedy is about telling the truth, the way that you see it, in a way that allows you and your audience to laugh at yourself. And in fact, one of the most momentous moments in the film is his breakdown as he tries to tell his joke about the toast, the joke that he never completes. And although Kumail is punished harshly in the movie for telling the truth, just as sometimes we are punished for telling the truth, not everybody likes it when we tell the truth. Ultimately, it's telling the truth that ends up changing his life. So in order to tell the truth, the emotional truth, sometimes we have to change the literal truth. And this is where an adaptation becomes so challenging. Because what bad producers do, I remember coming up in the industry as a producer, and bad producers would always say the same stupid thing. They would always say, the truth sucks, you've got to make it up. And this is pretty much the dumbest thing you could say as a producer, and I would watch those producers make terrible movies. But the great producers, in my opinion, don't turn around and say, you can only show exactly what happened in the exact order that it occurred. Because doing that in a film also doesn't allow you to tell the truth. And that's because films happen different than life. Films happen different than life for a lot of reasons. The first is that films happen quicker than life. So in life, you have a lifetime to experience life. In the real world, Emily was in a coma for eight days and Kumail had eight full days to connect with her parents and to come to his decision and to confront his own parents and to go through his big change. He had eight days to do it. In a movie, he's got an hour and a half. He's got a hundred pages to do it. So in movies, things have to happen faster. The second thing is, in real life, a lot of the decision-making process happened inside of Kumail's mind. A lot of the emotions happened inside of Kumail's mind. The way it felt like a lot of it happened inside Kumail's mind and inside Emily's mind and inside Beth's mind and inside Terry's mind and inside Azmat's mind and Charmin's mind and Navid's mind and inside all of these characters' minds. In a movie, we cannot see what happens in the character's mind. And because of that, we cannot see the truth of what it felt like unless the writer has the courage to dramatize it to translate that internal truth into an external truth that we can see. Not to make it up, not to create bullshit, not to make it fake, but rather to create fictional scenes that allow the truth to progress at movie pace, to create fictional scenes that allow the internal feelings to get externalized into choices and actions that the characters make. So I want to talk a little bit about how The Big Sick, the movie, is different from The Big Sick in real life. Luckily, People Magazine did a nice article about this that covers some of the big things. So the first is that in real life, Kumail did not break up with Emily before she went into her coma. And you can see that that's a major departure from the structure of the movie. In the structure of the movie, 
Kumail breaking up with Emily is vital for us understanding her hesitance in getting back together with him after she wakes up. But it's also vital for another reason, which is Kumail's main problem is he has trouble telling the truth. And he wants to tell the truth, but he feels beholden to his parents and he is terrified that his parents are going to kick him out of the family. He is terrified that his parents are not going to love him anymore. And there is a part of him in real life that is wondering, am I actually going to be with this girl or am I eventually going to dump her just like all the rest and do what my parents want? In real life, that conflict was internal to Kumail. In real life, it happened inside of his mind. In real life, he was wrestling with the feeling, but he wasn't taking the full action based on it. If that happened in the movie we would feel like this isn't a story. This is a story about a guy who was dating a girl and then she got sick. And then when she woke up, he wanted to marry her. And we would never fully understand how scary that was for her. Sure, he could talk about it, I guess. He could emote about it. But would that really capture the degree of the fear that he felt if he never took action? based on that fear? Or instead, would it simply feel like another guy who's got cold feet, but who's slowly realizing the girl that he loves? It's only because the character takes the full action that's already in his mind. It's only because the writer takes the internal feeling and makes it external that we can understand the degree that Kumail struggles to tell the truth. Because the truth is we all struggle to tell the truth. But Kumail has a bigger problem because he is so terrified that a part of him is thinking he may have to break up with this girl rather than have to face his family. So what Kumail the writer does is he breathes life into that part and he allows the character in the movie to take the full action that was only thought in the real world. And because of that, we as the audience are able to see the full character, not just the surface. We're able to see the real extent of the problem and we're able to understand the full trajectory of what it takes for these two people to come back together. Similarly, in the real movie, the truth is that they were dating in secret for about eight months when Gordon ended up in the emergency room. And the truth is that Kumail had met her parents, albeit only briefly once. And the truth is that he did tell his parents, who felt like they couldn't be too angry at him while Emily was still in a coma. Or as he said, they were very concerned about Emily's health. When she got better, they were like, why did you do this to us? So you can see the difference there. In the real world, they got married two months later. The entire family came to the wedding. And Kumail didn't ever get kicked out of his family. So you can see that if he told the literal truth, if he told the literal truth, this is not a movie. If he told the literal truth, this is just a story about... Two people who slowly get together and date for eight months and two months later marry. So they marry after 10 months and they go through a period where she gets sick. And then when she gets better, he asks him to marry her. If you take all the feelings out and you only see what happened in true life, this is not a movie. 
But when you start to go inside and look at the real feelings, what did it feel like? And when you give yourself permission to dramatize not exactly what happened, but what what happened felt like to you, whether it felt like lugging a ring of power into the lair of the Dark Lord Sauron, or whether it felt like, if I do this, my family is going to disown me. Whatever that feeling is, you must dramatize it. You must allow your characters to do whatever fiction is necessary to tell the truth of what you felt, to make the choices that you had in your mind, to allow the fears that you have in your mind to materialize so that we can see not what happened, but what it felt like, not the plot, but the structure. Not the literal, just the facts reality of the experience, but what made the experience matter. One of the things that was so brave about this, especially for a romantic comedy, is that Kumail does get kicked out of his family. His family do decide to start acting like he's dead. The writer Kumail allows his worst terror to come onto the page. And because the writer allows his worst terror to come onto the page, the characters get to go on a much more important journey. Because that allows for the wonderful scene where Kumail refuses to let his family disown him. Where Kumail takes control of his own destiny in the movie in a way that he never would have had to in life. See, that decision happened in his mind when he decided, you know what, even if they try to disown me, I'm still going to tell them. I'm still going to do it. I'm still going to marry this girl. And if they try to disown me, I just won't let them. Maybe, possibly, likely, Kumail made that decision in his mind, but we could not see it if he hadn't dramatized the emotional truth. So what's really beautiful about this movie is that the worst fear does come true. The family does disown him. He does have to force his way back in. And even at the end of the movie, there's a beautiful, bittersweet moment That moment between him and his parents where even as they continue to hold fast to disowning him, they also show their love. So this is the concept. No matter what happens in reality, no matter what you're adapting, a true story from someone else, a work of fiction, a book, a novel, a memoir, your own true story, there comes a time for all of us where we start to feel like our story isn't enough. Our plot isn't good enough. We don't have enough to say. And all that means is that you are not looking closely enough or that you are looking too rigidly at what actually happened and not deeply enough at what it felt like. And we also have to recognize for all of us, we are all afraid to put our lives out there. In fact, the real Emily Gordon, the same person who in the movie encourages Kumail to tell the truth in his one-man show, who co-wrote this movie with him, was reluctant to share that much about her own life, was afraid about putting that much of her own story out there for the world to see. But ultimately, both she and Kumail found the courage that I hope that you find as well in your writing. The courage not only to tell her story and his story in the way that they experienced it, but also the courage to create the fiction within there, not to tell a lie, but to tell the truth. The fiction within to bring the real story to the page. 
I hope that you enjoyed this podcast. Again, we make this podcast available totally free and with no outside advertising. So if it was helpful for you, please help us reach our goal of 10,000 listeners by subscribing to us on iTunes and writing us a review. It really does make a big difference in keeping this podcast free for everyone. You can find a link to do so at writeyourscreenplay.com slash podcast. For a complete transcript of this podcast, or to learn more about studying with me or my faculty in New York City, live online, on one of our international retreats, or as part of our one-on-one ProTrack mentorship program, you can learn more on our website, writeyourscreenplay.com. Mm-hmm.